Welcome to the New York State Bar Association's Miranda Warnings, where we debate, discuss, and dive into law-related issues important to all of us. I'm Dave Miranda, past president of the New York State Bar Association and partner at the intellectual property law firm of Heslin, Rothenberg, Farley, and Messier. This week on Miranda Warnings, we're very pleased to have Leonard Zeskin, the founder of the Institute for Research and Education for Human Rights. He's also the author of Blood and Politics, the History of the White Nationalist Movement from the Margins to the Mainstream, published in 2009. Welcome, Leonard. I'm very glad to be here. It's very nice to have you here. Leonard is here speaking uh, at the New York State Bar Association's uh, annual meeting, one of the panelists on white nationalism and domestic terrorism in America. Uh, so, Leonard, what are you going to be talking about today? Well, they've got me scheduled to define white nationalism, to answer some questions real quick, and to talk about the sort of the changes and so forth in white nationalism. So tell me, uh, what's we've got white nationalism, we've got uh, white supremacy, um, and we've got the Ku Klux Klan, for example. Where do those They're, three fit? Ku, Ku Klux Klan, the, most of them are white supremacists or white nationalists. White nationalists are those white supremacists who have decided to stop trying to take over the whole country and want to establish a racial, ethnic, white enclave, one part of the Republic I of see. the United States. And they want to tear up the country to do it. And white supremacists would be, uh, want to take over the whole country, is that yeah, it? Yeah, basically. And within that subset, are there Nazis? Well, there are National Socialists, neo-Nazis, are those who wear the swastika armbands. That's a rather narrow group, but almost all of them, not all, but almost all of them today are National Socialists. And I might remind you that Hitler's Nazi party was actually called the National Socialist German Workers' Party. So National Socialism is their ideology. And this is an ideological movement it's not made up of haters and goofballs. The uh, leadership is mostly uh, middle-class professionals, lawyers, doctors, professors, you know, people with more than one university degree who teach at universities, some of them. And the, and the membership is looks like a cross-class version of white America. Let's talk about that membership a little bit. You go back in your book, back to about 1955, when you start talking about the, that movement. Uh, what's, what do you, what's the membership of the white nationalist movement today in the United States? Well, nobody has a good grasp of the membership. We do know that they have grown very rapidly since 2016, before the election. During the Obama years, they did not grow very fast. The Tea Parties took over that area of momentum. The white supremacists started to figure out what to do defending Confederate memorials, and they started growing fast. And there have been a bunch of new organizations formed in the 2016 period uh, and they're growing fast, 3,000 members each for the Proud Boys. And uh, the American Identity Movement is aimed at university students. Um, there's, 
it's a bigger movement today than it was 10 years ago, and it's more dangerous. Why why is it bigger today than 10 years ago? What was the the uh, trigger? Well, there's a couple of triggers, actually. One is the growing uh, fear among white Americans, a, a sector of white Americans, not all white Americans, about, I think it's about 40% of white Americans who believe that they're being picked on by people of color. And what's happening is white people are not going to be able to uh, keep majority status and the privileges of white majority status by majority rule alone anymore. This is a nation that's going to, in which white people are going to be a minority and a nation of minorities. And that's got them run scared. In your book, you discuss, you know, the difficulty of this movement in organizing. Um, there is many, you know, different leaders with different personalities. Uh, you indicate that you know, when these individuals feel aggrieved, each one of them becomes their own little mini Fuhrer. Uh, so uh, we've had some, you know, some charismatic leaders uh, in this movement. They've all been somewhat flawed. Um, is there any uh, is there any movement now that's kind of consolidating? These? Well, there are some unity movements, but there's not a general consolidation. There's been a move by the American Freedom Party, which is headquartered on the West Coast and run by a professor, actually, uh, uh, and, um, and a lawyer. <laughs> and, uh, and the Council of Conservative Citizens, which is the lineal descendant of the white citizens' councils, and the League of the South, which is an old white secessionist group, they've been creating movements. David Duke is central in that. And David Duke is a charismatic leader. And I might remind you that in 1990 and 1991, when he ran for statewide office in, this, in Louisiana, both the Senate and the governor, he won the majority of the white vote, 54 and 56%. It was the black people of Louisiana that saved the white people from sending a, a national socialist to the Senate. And, uh, you know, you talk about David Duke, obviously, a lot in your book, and he was charismatic and, and was uh, at, the, at, at one point uh, viewed as uh, a fairly uh, popular leader of the movement. He had his own issues, though, gambling issues. There was uh, financial concerns Duke, with Duke him. was a gambler, a womanizer. Some of the, the Klan guys talk about how they were afraid when he would come to town that they, he'd bed their wife. Uh, and there's more than one that was concerned about that. He went to he went to prison for mishandling funds, and uh, he ran around Eastern Europe for a couple of years, collecting plaudits, including a uh, a doctor's degree from a university in I think it was in Eastern Europe, Kiev, I think, but uh, an engineering school that gave him an honorary doctorate. So he calls himself Dr. David Duke when he's not busy calling himself U.S. Representative or 
state representative, Dr. Duke. Now, you mentioned 2016 as a period when uh, the movement uh, took on some growth. That was also uh, the presidential election year, the most recent presidential election. Uh, are you seeing, uh, in your view, uh, any increase uh, as a result of uh, the leadership we have in, Donald in the Trump White House? Donald Trump is not a leader. He's a follower. The whites have been his leader. The white revolutionaries have been his leader. He's been following the anti-immigrant movement. He's been following the worst parts of the United States. And uh, he's going to pay for it. We are all paying for it. But actually, the momentum in 2016 came from the decline of the Tea Party movement. The Tea Party movement was like the white supremacists. They believed that white people were in decline in power and status. But they had gone as far as they could go in, in electoral politics. And a bunch of them jumped into the white white movement. So, so and we can see this in the militia today. Now what do you mean? What's the militia? What does that mean? There's bunches of militias everywhere. Militias are private armies. Private armies. All over the place. Do we do we have any militias in New York? You do have militias in New York. You have about twenty seven hundred militia members and the militia groups that are on the Facebook that don't have members on the Facebook We've counted 10,000 likes to those militia groups. When you say members, what does that mean? Uh, that they uh, uh, affiliate with uh, the militia? They become members or? of the militia, these private armies that run around in the woods and camouflage, and they call themselves corporal and sergeant and schmagegi brainy and booba baba. And they're active, active members of the militia. Uh, to yes. what end? And wh what is what is the militia? What does the militia do? What do they? Well, they claim they're to defend America, but what they really want to do is defend white supremacy. And have we had any inc instances? Uh, well, recent la times. Last week, or two weeks ago, you had a big gun rights rally in Virginia, with about thirty thousand of them gathered in there. And most of them were militia members. But, but let's back up a little bit because there, there's certainly a difference between those that support gun rights and those that are uh, militia members no, that support white supremacists. No, the ones that I'm talking about in right? Virginia were mostly militia members. We, there were about two dozen militia groups there. And the gun rights group was the Gun Owners of America, which is pro-militia. So um, there were people in the circle without guns, and there were people outside the circle, lots of them, with guns. And so what's the organization in, in New York that uh, supports the, the independent militia? Well, there's the New York State Militia, there's the Threepers, there's about two dozen organizations. Now, you know, your book was incredibly well-researched. I mean, you had, it was 500-plus pages, you had about 100 pages of footnotes, um, I went through the index, admittedly published in 2009, never mentioned yeah. Donald Trump, was not mentioned, was not even on the radar in 2009 uh, in relation and to this And he's not going to be in the, on the radar once he leaves the office. He's not a figure. He's a follower, not a leader. Get that through your head. 
Is there anything that was leading up to the time that we're in today that uh, might indicate someone like Donald Trump could arise? Well, there's the indication of the white people who don't want to be a minority in a nation of minorities. So they're anti-immigrant. Do you see that there's um, kind of a, a generalized, you, you mentioned some people feel picked on. Um, is, it, is it more than that, though? Is it a generalized anger that people are feeling uh, about their circumstances? Different ones feel different things. But it's not feelings that matter. It's that they adapt the ideas of the movement. That's what matters. Now, um, you wrote this book. It took several years. Uh, Why did you decide to write this book when you did? Because we needed the information. In order to fight this problem, in order to fight back and smash this movement up, you have to know what the hell it is. You, you've got to understand that they're not just a bunch of haters. They're not emotion laid. This is an ideological phenomenon. This is a problem that's going to take several decades. Your children and grandchildren will be fighting this fight. And I wanted to get them ready. And so in, in your view, what needs to be done to be ready to uh, address this? People have this? to know what they're doing. They have to know who the groups are, what ones are interested in organizing university students, which ones are women haters, which ones are going after immigration, which ones are just Nazis and national socialists. And uh, you have to develop a response based on the, the content of that actual group. And you have to build an effective group a effective response. I'm not just talking about fighting in the streets. You have to build mass momentum, mass mobilization. You have to educate everybody on the block. We have to all know what this thing is coming because it's coming at it and it's coming at us big. And uh, we're right now on the front tip of the problem and it looks big enough. Now, as part of your uh, research for your book, you went to white nationalist rallies and other rallies. You got to know some of the people uh, involved on a, on a firsthand level, uh, from the casual participant to the leaders, um, many of whom were racists and anti-Semites. What was that like for you, someone, a person of, uh, of Jewish faith who's dealing with people who were plotting against minorities, in some cases, uh, Jewish people? I was fighting a cause. I was fighting for a defense of democracy. Democracy is in trouble. And so I got busy. That's all. Did you ever feel uh, threatened or? I don't talk about that. Um, some of uh, some of the publications uh, th- that you, you were writing about tried to discredit you in some instances. Uh, in fact, one publication called you uh, intense and humorless. Uh, you seem to be pretty intense. Uh, you seem also seem to have a good sense of humor. So I'll, I'll I'll meet them halfway and say they were half right. Well, look, I'm their enemy. When I walked into the Georgia State Legislature, when David Duke was a legislator, he looked at me hanging on the wall with the head of the Methodist Church, and he goes. 
He did a double take. He said, oh, no, Zeskin's here. And I could see him do it. So that's that's always good. Now, you talked about uh, mobilization. What are some of the, the methods that are being used to uh, mobilize uh, this movement that you see, the, the white nationalist, white supremacist movement? How are they mobilizing? Yes. They're doing, they doing everything that the, other, that the progressives do. They use the Internet, but they don't just use the Internet. They've used newsletters and magazines. They have an impressive, and books. They have an impressive literature, and uh, they hold meetings of every sort. They hold unity meetings, yearly educational seminars. Um, they have uh, the, um, uh, uh, theoretical magazines and thought magazines. They're working. And the people that are opposing them, that think they're just opposing, quote, hate, they haven't got it. And that's why we're losing this battle right now. We're losing this battle right now, and it's got me worried. And uh, wh what is it that you're most worried about, Leonard? Well, the end game. Now, for the for a person that's not as well versed uh, in this uh, these issues as yourself, what should they be looking out for? How can they, they uh, should, do a better job they, of educating people themselves? People should get educated. My organization has a. Um, has a telephone app that sends information directly to your telephone. It's called Trepper. Go to www.irehr.org and look for the Trepper ad and sign up on Trepper and you'll get regular information. You can feed it information if you want. And it's a link between us, a small group of people who are working hard on this issue and uh, the general public. And we're trying to get people educated and then organized. Well, uh, the Trepper app. Uh, Leonard, you've done uh, a, a life's work here in, in trying to educate people. We appreciate it. We appreciate you spending some time with us here on Miranda Warnings. We have, this is obviously a very serious uh, and important topic, but we have kind of a, a more lighthearted uh, feature on Miranda, War Miranda Warnings called Music, Book, or Movie. I know you wrote a book called Blood and Politics, but is there some sort of music, book, or movie that means something to you that we can share with the our listeners? The recent movie, Defiance. Defiance. Is a very good movie. I also watched Swing Kids, numbers back in the 90s, which is talks about the subculture in Hamburg of the Swing Kids who oppose Hitler and why subcultures can't defeat this problem. So defiance is about Jews who lived in the woods and fought back. And it gives me tears when I watch it. Leonard Ziskin, Defiance and Swing Ken Kings, uh, thank you very Swing much. Kids. Swing Kids, thank you for being with us on Miranda Warnings. Very glad to be here, thank, thank you very you. much. Thanks for listening to Miranda Warnings. I encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to Miranda Warnings, a NISBA podcast, available on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.